Hey guys, thanks for downloading another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. This episode's actually been delayed a little bit, and I want to apologize for that. There's been some technical and some personal issues that have kind of gotten in the way of our recording schedule, and that could potentially happen in the near future too, so just want to let you guys know that and reiterate how important it is that you subscribe so that when we do release our next episode, you won't miss it. So, uh, thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Dudes watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. We're gonna talk about Winnie the Pooh. A Winnie the Pooh, 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 Pooh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes Watch Disney episode 16. Nope, that's not what I wanted to say. Take two. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray for episode 16. It's Winnie the, the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And we're Dudes Watch Disney. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. That's the best I got, guys. Yeah, okay. Um, now, how's it going, everybody? If I'm one of the everybody's, I'm doing all right. All right, good to know. Uh, this film came out in 1977, one of many from Disney that year. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah. Uh, we'll see when we get to The Rescuers, our next film. Also the same year. Curious. They were able to do two at the same time. I wonder how they completed this feature film in that time frame. Well, I kind of wanted to talk about that right off the start, although I didn't. Uh, I don't have an answer for this question, so a terrible lawyer uh, <laughs> where we're going here. But, like... Uh, so this movie, if you didn't know, is actually three different shorts that they uh, sort of put together with, uh, they recorded some stuff to go in between to connect them, and then pff, now, it, now it's a movie. Uh, it counts in the official canon. The, because we make the rules. <laughs> well, no, it's in the it's in the wiki list. We just followed the list on Wikipedia. The other ones were in the wiki list, too. Oh, were they? Yeah, we just oh, skipped them. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. We're talking about the the likes of Melody Time and Make yeah, Mine yeah, Music yeah. and stuff, uh, which we just did in bonus episode capacity because, I don't know, they don't hold up to the likes of Bambi. But uh, this is really a similar situation. It was cartoons they had already made and, and released, which I didn't realize until I did research for this film. Like, these were released and shown to the public in theaters and then later... Uh, connected and stitched together with some animated string and then re-released as a as a feature-length film in 1977 and uh you'd think that would disqualify it from being uh as part of our rankings but we love this movie too much for that so or at least we think we love it we'll see as we <laughs> review it here if we actually Stick love around. it that much yeah well we've only mentioned it a hundred times leading up to this well, episode that is true. yeah we definitely love uh the characters whether we love this movie that much we'll find out Right, grew up with tons of Winnie the Pooh stuff. Had, oh yeah, had had still have a little stuffed Winnie the Pooh and a Tigger in my in my does bedroom the, in does there. Does the stuffed Winnie still play the little song? No, oh. but I remember the later years of it being. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> it, was, it used to play the Winnie the Pooh theme song, and then it turned into. <laughs> and now it's just flat out silence when you push the thing. But uh, but yeah, grew up very much with the Disney version of Winnie the Pooh. Never read the book uh, by A.A. A. Milne until quite recently. I actually picked it up in uh, preparation for this episode. What, what'd you learn? Uh, I, I learned it's pretty good. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm guessing you hadn't read it either. No, I don't know how to read. <laughs> it is different um, 
and it's it's odd to me seeing like the original illustrations because we had like you know we had winnie the pooh like picture books and stuff for kids but it was all hey so remember those technical difficulties i mentioned (laughs) so at this moment one of our microphones cut out and it took us about 15 maybe 20 minutes to realize that so i've been able to save the audio so what you're gonna hear is just both of our voices recorded off of dustin's microphone now and it's not gonna sound great so sorry about that but i promise we get the microphone issue fixed a little bit later on in the episode it's all the disney branded yeah version and i think that's a little bit why the uh the upcoming christopher robin film feels a little bit strange is because it, it's more the original uh the original illustrations the original dolls having seen the trailers and everything and that looks a little strange because i'm wondering where like you know where's red shirt poo <laughs> took a little getting used to with that but uh other than that enjoyable book and I, i'll try to bring up some of the the similarities and differences as we go along yeah i'm excited to see uh some of the the differences with some of the characters and or if there are any i don't know the movie begins uh with a little bit of live action you get a child's bedroom and he sees several stuffed animals before we get into oh, that, oh i'm sorry I discuss, oh i didn't uh, know so we talked about these films were already released about a decade prior uh the little short you know episodes we get here before being released in the 70s as a kid watching this tape and watching other later poo tapes uh and just a general kid knowledge thing i never knew how old anything was that i was watching mm-hmm. like so the Winnie the Pooh universe, the Pooh-niverse, if you will. <laughs> that sounds... Okay, nope, can't take on. it back. We're moving on. Pooh-niverse, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, uh... To me, it was all interconnected. So we had other tapes, um... Like, I don't know, I think there was an 80s, like, version of Pooh, and then there was a 90s version of Pooh, and then, uh, around the time we had, uh... Our, our younger cousin, uh, had a tape from like the 2000s like Disney Junior version of Pooh and when I started watching that that's when I like started to piece together like this isn't the same as the other ones but like I I was always unaware of just like placing this stuff in the timeline when I, I didn't find out Snow White was like made in the 1930s till I was maybe 15 or so because hmm. like, it was all just a tape and when I was a kid all the Disney tapes were released at the same time. Uh, yeah I guess that's true and so like I didn't know I, and I couldn't tell uh you know, I guess animation quality difference I never really picked up on. And although I didn't watch nearly as many of the the, uh, the older uh, Disney animated features either. Plus you get into, you know, boy movies and girl movies. Snow White would have been on the girl side of that, right? Right, that's true. Snow White wasn't one I spent a whole lot of time with. There you go. But yeah, the, uh, the episodes we get here are based on, uh, actually based on two books by A.A. A. Milne. Uh, called the first one, Winnie the Pooh, and the second called The House at Pooh Corner. Uh... And yeah, there are, there are some differences along the way, which we'll sort of get to. And I think uh, before we even open the film, I want to talk about the uh, the like sort of the branding behind this movie. I think was very smart. Okay. Because what we are is we're basically heating up some leftovers for this this release here. But like because since we don't call it like Winnie the Pooh's Adventure or something like that, like we sort of straight up say like the mini adventures this is he's gonna do this he's gonna do this he's gonna do this like these are multiple stories all at once and i think that helps a lot because uh one it's it's i'm sure it's very budget conscious which was very helpful for them and like it's also helped by the timeline uh in disney's releases here we've had some uh 
lower quality animation going for a while, so you can't really tell a difference watching this. Like, oh, this one was made in the 60s, but this episode was made in, like, 72. Like, they look the same. Right. That's how, what what we were working with in both uh, eras. And also, this is all pre-home video, so, like, who's really going to care? If something was in theaters 10 years earlier, are you really going to remember it? Right, fair enough. It's the only, chan- the only way you can see it at that point. Right. And so, like, from the title of this, we know what we're getting into, where unlike something like Fun and Fancy Free or Melody Time, like, those didn't tell us shit. So we went into those like, oh, okay, we're doing this, I guess. Now, we can, as far as our rubric goes, before we even really start watching the movie, this is going to hurt a few categories from the start. If one of the things that we score a movie on is the the matters, uh there's not an overarching plot to this there's three separate exactly. episodes right. uh and then one thing we'll also discover is there's not a villain nope. which is going to uh adversely affect the mini score right and those are things we put a lot of uh particularly the villain we put a lot of uh uh they hold a lot of weight when it comes to disney films because like disney villains are all not all but most of them pretty fucking right and, and we, that's what you want when you're mm-hmm. looking for a disney film and you, you don't get this from this one. I don't think I even knew this was a Disney movie as a kid. Like, I don't know. Winnie the Pooh doesn't seem like it fits in with, like, Mickey Mouse. Right. The only, I think the only way we would have known is it was in the same, like, hard plastic case as right. the other ones. So it must have been a Disney movie. That is true. But, yeah, we we start, we open up the film. We got the opening credits here. And we sort of set the scene with the live action shots of a bedroom uh, full of stuffed animals. Which I think, uh, although it's not animated, I think this is a way better opening than we've got in, in past couple films. Like uh, Aristocats and Robin Hood was just like, here's some sketches. <laughs> here's- right, I think it, it sets the scene for the movie. It gets you, you know, right in your feels from the start. Like, Childhood. Especially if you had read the books and had your own sort of connection to these characters. Right, and a big part of the books is they are really addressed to the real-life Christopher Robin. So, like... This is his bedroom. This is Christopher Robin's bedroom. These are his uh, stuffed dolls. And, like, so right away we're like, okay, we're going into this child's, like, imagination. And I think that's, even just from a shot, you kind of get everything. And then that's helped when we get the narrator coming in, uh, Sebastian Cabot, voice of Bagheera. Uh, And I think the narrator's probably one of the better parts of this film because he's very, like, charming and sort of sets the scene of just like, oh, okay, we're having a nice... Uh, relaxed time here and then later we get uh, you know his interactions with the characters and the fact that the characters are in an actual book and they interact with the book several times throughout Mm -hmm. the film which I think are all really uh, I don't know cool I think if you go back through the mini adventures of Dudes Watch Disney and all the episodes we've done one of the things that we are the most consistent on is that we love narrators Uh, we in movies that don't have narrators have talked about how they could be improved by adding a narrator and we one of the first things we mention when a movie has a narrator is how glad we are to have a narrator and what you know how it builds the nostalgia and how it sets the scene were we big on Jiminy Cricket (laughs) that's probably our first narrator well, Jiminy is a little different in that he is also a character in the story. Right. I don't know. I just feel like... We enjoyed Roger Miller a lot last time. Certainly, although he's also a character in the story. But 
I just think maybe because you watch these as little kids and you're used to having someone read a story to you. Right. Or at least you're supposed to be as a little kid. Some kids don't have pe- right. things read to them. Uh, privileged speaking, whatever. But anyway, I still have people read stories uh, to me. Fair I enough. But so it's sort of it's soothing, you know, to have the narrator there. It's like right. like almost like a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. And it's a familiar voice. Have you been watching in this case? Yeah. Bagheera. Um, I want Bagheera to tell me stories. I assume he's dead now. Oh, well, fair enough. So they uh, sort of do an overture in the bedroom. Uh, Then you get the narrator speaking. Then there's another introductory song uh, as we look at the illustrations from the book. And the illustrations sort of come to life, which is really cool. Uh, Like you said, they interact with the book itself throughout the story at various points, which is fun. Sadly, the opening song is not the one Dustin sang earlier. Oh, well, you know. It's Winnie the Pooh, etc. Yes, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But then we introduce Pooh at his, at his house, where he lives under the name of Sanders, which means Sanders is written on the house and he lives under it. Exactly. Already clever wordplay, um, which is another thing I think translates really well from the book, because wordplay is a lot of it. But then he gets sort of his uh, introduce yourself to the audience song with Up, Down, Touch the Ground, uh, which over the course of just a couple of minutes, we get, uh, here's Winnie the Pooh. Uh, he has an appetite. He's hungry for food. He uh, is forgetful. because He's a very, very little brain. Stuffed with fluff. Mm-hmm. And we get over the stuffed with fluff part because he bends over to touch his toes and rips his butt. So right, so his tie it back together. His cuckoo clock goes off. He doesn't know what for. He doesn't remember why. He set the cuckoo clock. Then he remembers that he's supposed to be exercising. Right. He exercising always makes him hungry. Has he feels a rumbly in his tumbly. Right, like several people with a bit of a, a bit of a weight problem, as uh, Matt Foley would say. Is that, that's the name of the character, I'm pretty I sure. say that's a character name. From the van down by the yeah. river. Yeah, I think that's I'm his name. Aware. I'm pretty sure. We're going with it. Sure. Mick Foley would agree, too. I'm pretty sure he's got a bit of a weight problem. Bang, bang! <laughs> anyway. He's uh, on. He's doing his that is true. Um, so, uh, yeah, he does his exercises, rips his ass. Go ahead. We get Pooh singing the up, down, touch the ground song, and then, like... He ends, and then we get the chorus coming in at the end to sort of do a, a, a refrain there with a healthy, happy appetite, healthy, happy. Well done. Guess you can't sing that low. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he does that, and then we we pull out to show sort of the actual storybook, and then we'll be like, well, and over here on page twelve, which is sort of our our format for this whole story. So we we have some fourth wall breaking uh, there, but it's. I'll give it a pass because it's cute. Well, and it's uh, a recurring theme. For the illustrations in general, the backgrounds are very simple, yeah. uh, but I think that helps to make it look like the uh, it's in a book. the illustrations book. come to life. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also like backgrounds are sometimes just like a drawing of some trees that don't move or interact or anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe just like blue behind that. Like, but uh, I definitely think that's a smart way of working with what you got. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then we turn over to the next page, and while we're doing this, our narrator is kind of guiding us. And I always liked, and it made me feel smart as a kid, when I would read along with what was on the page, and it was actually what the narrator was yeah, saying it's at nice. the time. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, real useful. So Pooh has a problem. He is out of honey. Mm-hmm. And that's our, <laughs> our first driving... Uh, driving force here being the glutton that he is he has eaten all of the jars of honey in his home and he needs to find more honey so he goes outside fortunately a bee buzzes in buzzes into his house and he 
realizes the only reason for being a bee is to make honey, and the only reason for making honey is so that I can eat it. So now he's got to climb a tree to get the bee. Yeah, uh, I wrote uh, around this point that this film is less about what happens and more about how good it makes you feel. Yeah, I'd say so. And songs that are real earwormy, because uh, I remember watching this probably around the time we started this podcast. It was on Netflix, and mm-hmm. I watched it just because, like, oh my god. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and it had been probably ten years since I'd seen it. And at the, at the time, my wife was not familiar with it at all, so I was like, we're totally watching this. And then, like, did so, and after the fact, for several days and weeks, I'd just be walking around singing songs, and it was upsetting to her. I like, especially in the first uh, episode of the movie, uh, there's almost constant... each scene has has different songs uh, in it. Each time there's sort of a lull in the story, it's time for another song. Not in, uh, you know, some movies are like, oh boy, they're going to do another song. This was just sort of... And they're all very quick, so and yeah. they generally explain what's going on. We get First we get climbing the tree, he falls out of the tree, now he's got a, his plans to get a balloon and disguise himself as a little black rain cloud, and... Uh, you know, then his song is, I'm a little black rain cloud, and like that just is helpful to tell you and help children what's going on, but also is sticks in your head because it's really catchy. Right, before he sings his little black rain right. cloud song, the other he's characters go, show up. Right, he's got to go uh, acquire a balloon somewhere. So he runs into Christopher Robin and Eeyore. Robin, or Christopher Robin is nailing a tail in Eeyore's ass. Uh, yep. Eeyore says, thanks, it's all right. It's not much, but I'm sort of attached to it. Ba-dum-tsh. Then we meet Kanga and Rue and Owl as well, who's they a know-it-all. They come into their own later on. This is just sort of an introductory scene. Um, but one of the main differences uh, between the book and the film, I've noticed, is Christopher Robin himself. Uh, Christopher Robin generally takes a back seat in these movies. Like, he's not super present. There's scenes that go by without him involved at all until it's like, well, what do we do now? Well, let's go find Christopher Robin. And right. Shows up and fixes it. He's much more present in the book and is you know, guiding characters from place to place. He's the driving force sometimes. He's like, whoa, we're going to go on an expedition and that kind of shit. And, like, I feel like he's not the most necessary, and I think sort of phasing him out to be just kind of a every kid character, like, helps a lot. Because if you're an actual kid, you're not so interested in watching this kid have adventures. You'd much rather see the other characters, right. like a bear and a donkey and all this stuff interacting and having fun. And uh, when the kid does show up, you can be like, ooh, that's me, I guess. But yeah, you can to... you can put yourself in Christopher Robin's shoes. Right, as opposed to having to watch Christopher Robin drive the whole story when he's not, you know, a real interesting character, especially compared to the other ones around him. Despite being a bear of very little brains, Pooh has an idea where he's going to use the balloon and also cover himself in mud uh, so that he can make the bees believe that he is, like you said earlier, a little black rain cloud. He sings a little song to help convince them. <laughs> I'm just a birdie, too. That's a Kung Pao reference for you anyway. Uh, so he floats up and uh, reaches into the tree and grabs a handful of honey. He doesn't even look at it when he puts it in his mouth and gets a mouthful of bees. And uh, at this point, he gets some goofiness of, like, the bee being up in his ears. and his Right. He, he asks Christopher Robin to be his accomplice in all this and asks him to repeat the, the phrase. Tut, tut. It looks like rain. Right. So he's trying to help him sell that, you know, this is a rain cloud and not a bear trying to eat all their honey. The bees aren't buying it, though. Right. 
and then he starts shooting the bees out of his mouth, which he has fun with, like, mm-hmm. starts pretending he's shooting a gun and stuff, and, uh, but eventually he gets his ass stuck in the tree hole and starts to realize that these are the wrong sorts of bees, and, uh, gets launched out of the tree, and that's sort of the end of this little mini-adventure, uh, where, like, he, he tried for the honey, he's not getting it, so his next plan is that honey rhymes with bunny, and bunny rhymes with rabbit, so there let's you go, go to Rabbit's house. And that was, getting his ass stuck in the tree is the first of a few butt things we get in this right. movie, well, being a Walt Disney. Earlier. Yeah, there you go. Nail the tail to donkey. So. Yeah, we're getting all of uh, Walt's favorite things. He would have been somewhat involved in this first featurette, because of... Well, it's the one that's seats. got the most ass in it, that's so there true. you go. Um, uh, so we go and meet rabbits. Um, what you giggling? <laughs> I remembered when I said handful of butt ass earlier. Yeah. <laughs> or ass butt, whichever one I said. <laughs> it was butt ass. Okay, there you go. Um, anyway, uh, he goes to see rabbit. Uh, yeah. Rabbit is in the middle of having lunch. Doesn't want to share his food with Pooh. Right. His friend. Rabbit is also a bit different uh, it, from book to movie. Uh, Rabbit, anytime he's mentioned in the book, also has all of his friends and relations with him, uh-huh. uh, which consists of all sorts of forest animals for some reason. Like, hmm. there's one where there's a cricket friend that goes missing and they have to go find him or something. Um, they're totally dropped from the film. I guess so. Yeah. Which I don't think, really, they, they don't seem to bring a lot to the book, so that's fine with me. Uh, but Rabbit, uh, you know, if you know anything about Winnie the Pooh, you know what his character is. He's all, uh, he's frets a lot, and he's worried, and doesn't like to be bothered. And, but now here comes Pooh, marching right into his house, and uh, asking for a small helping of honey, which Rabbit gives him. And it's the saddest little, like, one drop mm-hmm. plate. And then, of course, that's not enough, so then he eats Rabbit out of house and home. And then it's his time to leave, and Rabbit's like, oh, well, if you're sure you won't have any more, is, is there, there any more? He tries to leave and gets stuck in a hole. So, right, he's no longer, time. he can no longer fit through the entrance because he's eaten so much. We get more butt stuff he here. He's blame it on front doors not being big enough. Right. <laughs> There's plenty of butt stuff in this. We get more butt stuff here, though, where uh, Rabbit tries to push him out, but right. can't. And then he just gets a door with a butt in it mm-hmm. for the next week or so. He draws a little face on it and puts a frame around it. Mm-hmm. Um... We get Owl first, well, he briefly appeared earlier, but his first, like, big speaking part here. We get to see he's very pompous and long-winded with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees Winnie the Pooh is stuck and is immediately like, well, this reminds me of the time that my old cousin and blah, blah, blah. And is generally not helpful. And I've noticed his character is pretty much the exact same in the book. Like, <laughs> anytime he shows up, it's the same situation. Nobody likes to know it all. So, uh, while Al is talking to him, Gopher also arrives. Gopher is the same character as the beaver from Lady and the Tramp. That's same voice, same... We enjoyed that time around. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but speaking of books, Gopher has the line, uh, I'm not, not in the book, but I'm at your service. And that is, of course, a joke. He is not a character in either of the Winnie the Pooh books. Oh, there you go. Um, apparently, they used him here in this first featurette uh, as a replacement character for Piglet. They weren't planning on using Piglet's mm. Piglet doesn't appear until we get to the second featurette, which is released several years later. Um, which seems kind of weird because you think about uh, sort of Pooh and Piglet, right? Like that's they're the Gumby and Pokey of this universe, and their relationship makes a lot of sense. Usually, if you've got because uh, they're sort of opposites, and that's why they're such good friends. Like one is pretty extroverted, one of them 
less so piglet a little shy and timid where yeah, poos yeah so but no was about got the axe in the first one so instead we got gopher uh who doesn't necessarily fit but but he's entertaining true um he you know, has to make the estimate for Al of how much it'll cost to get the bear out. Well, first he's like, well, problem right there is first thing you gotta do is get rid of that bear. He's gumming up the whole process. And then does the estimate, and Al wants to know the charge, and he's like, oh, charge? About six or seven sticks of dynamite? He's like, no, the cost and money. Yeah. No charge, only cash. <laughs> so lots of lots of jokes rattled off real quick. And then we get Pooh even saying, well, after all, he's not in the book, you know. So even uh, Christopher Robin arrives to help pull, and Kanga and Rue, they all sort of tug along, and nothing really happens. So there as well. they decide all they can do is just wait for him to lose some weight, and then he'll be able to slide through the hole. Right, and Eeyore gets a line here that really shows just the, the humor having such a downer character brings along, where he's like, you know, I gotta lose weight, how long will that take? And Eeyore's just like, days, weeks, months, who knows? <laughs> Which, although Eeyore is another character I found uh, a pretty big difference from. Oh, really? From book to book, or from book to film. I really enjoy Eeyore. I do too, and you probably enjoy him more uh, in the book, because he's a lot more of just an outright asshole about stuff, and he's hmm. very, uh, I don't know, like a cervic sense of humor that just goes everybody over everybody's head. Um, I tried to write down, or I actually snapped a, a screenshot of just an example of some of his dialogue. Uh, there's a, a chapter which was later made into a, a Winnie the Pooh featurette that's not featured in this film, where uh, Pooh invents a game called Pooh Sticks, where they drop sticks in the river, and they like the idea is whose stick is going to win the race to the other side of this bridge hmm. or whatever. Okay. But as they're, watch, as they're playing this and watching their sticks, Eeyore comes floating out underneath, and uh, some of his dialogue here, uh, uh, like they ask him, hey, I didn't know you were playing Pooh Sticks or whatever, and Eeyore's like, I'm not. And Rabbit says, Eeyore, what are you doing there? And he says, I'll give you three guesses, Rabbit. Digging holes in the ground? Wrong. Leaping from branch to branch of a young oak tree? Wrong. Waiting for somebody to help me out of the river? Right. Give Rabbit time and he'll always get the answer. <laughs> so, like, just jokes that clearly are going way over all the other characters' heads and just a real, like, acerbic, sarcastic nature to them. Whereas in the film he's really just like oh bother right more than anything else maybe they thought that might be a little too complex or just not likable for a, a kid's film right you don't you don't see a whole lot of sarcasm in disney movies at least at this point um right and uh, it reminded me a lot of like our dad oh, yeah. <laughs> his only money that's exactly what i was thinking of when he's ordering uh you know like delivery pizza or whatever and they ask like oh do you want to order a cheese bread too and he's like oh hell why not it's just my money right so the which just just disappoint the other person <laughs> right trying to do their job they're wondering if they should call somebody or write a little note for this guy with his pizza like <laughs> it'll get better man but nah that's just that's the humor um but then we get gopher appearing again uh working the night shift so he shows up and eats his lunch right in front of Pooh, which is uh a joke that, you know, Pooh's sitting here. Because he offers to... Son of a bitch. Well, how many minutes are you at? 32. I'm at nine. Oh. Shit. Oh, no. And that was the sound of us realizing the microphone fuck up. Enjoy the good audio now.
So it's nighttime and Gopher's there and he, he's eaten in front of Pooh, offers to share with Pooh, and Rabbit freaks out. Right. Uh, also, the humor here is that all of the foods Gopher's eating all start with S, which oh, is, well, yeah, you know, works with his, his lisp, with, you know, eating summer squash and sausage and whatever else. And then Pooh sort of plays along with that by saying, can you spare a small smackerel? And Goofer, Goofer, <laughs> Gopher says, "Hey, you, sh- Sonny, you should do something about that uh, speech impediments." So, jokes. jokes. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so Rabbit freaks out and puts up a sign saying, "Don't feed the bear." Rat, yeah, Rabbit at this point has gotten pretty, pretty much. Rabbit at this point has had kind of a nervous breakdown. He's getting right. twitchy, and we cut to him in the morning, and he looks like he hasn't slept in days. And- yeah. I imagine his house is full of farts at this point, too. Just, yeah, probably. <laughs> Just got the butt right there at the door. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I guess we haven't addressed how, how Pooh is eliminating waste. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Speaking of eliminating waste. Oh, boy. <laughs> we go up and we're ready to pull him out because he budges. And so now we start singing a song about how out the poo will go. <laughs> which <laughs> I've, I've sung that many times before. <laughs> But uh, everybody grabs a hold of his arm, and they all pull, and he yanks him out and flies through the air and gets stuck inside a honey tree. That was okay. That was the home improvement ending. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never That's mind. That's what that was. Okay. Can you do a better Tim Allen? <laughs> Not really, apparently. I think that was better. So, right. He ends up back where he belongs. I don't think so, Tim. He ends up getting what he wants. And he, in theory, will be stuck there forever just shoving honey in his mouth. But And so ends the first and best episode. I called it a honey tree as if honey grows on trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not really how that works. I mean, he calls it that, too. I'm yeah, okay. A little black rain cloud hovering under the honey tree. You got me there. Yeah. I didn't get you there. I explained why you were right there, but okay. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of getting me. I like the way you do that right there, right? Anyway. So we then say, on to the next chapter, to which Pooh's like, oh, but I liked this chapter or whatever, which I think this is sort of a good way of like, oh, don't worry, the movie's not over, children. Like, True. keep watching, wonder what's going to happen next, which is very smart. It's very hand-holdy, I think, for our, our audience, but when we're aiming for a young audience, I think that's a good call. Aiming for young hands for Holden. Sure. And, like, when I was a kid, movies ending used to make me sad. Like, oh, it's over with. Same thing with books, which is why I would read books, like, three or four times Mm. in a row. So, like, that was cool to me as a kid. At the end of the movie, Pooh says something like, oh, the end? Why don't we go back over and and, and start all over again? And, like, that's a thing I actually did as a kid. That is true. A movie ends, start it over, like... So this yeah, maybe I, this movie was just tailored to me. I don't normally feel sad about movies ending. Normally I'm sort of relieved about it. Like, ah, I can go pee now. Or, like, maybe it's time to eat again. Or, right now at age I can get back home, you know, 28, yes, that's how, theater. that's how I feel. Like, I <laughs> do not have the attention span for this to go longer than two hours. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a kid, it was much different. But we go into our next chapter uh, when, in which it is a blustery day. Which is a big word for kids. I don't know that I knew the word blustery when I was little, but okay. Is it a real word or just a Winnie the Pooh word? Is Blust- bluster is a word. Yeah, that's true. 
Anyway, through through Pooh is at his thoughtful spot. Mm-hmm. I need to get one of those. <laughs> Where we meet up with Piglet, uh, and this is our first, you know, our introduction of Piglet here. Pooh has a similar issue. He's gone to his thoughtful spot, but can't remember what he's supposed to be thinking about in his right. thoughtful spot. Mm-hmm. So he goes to see Piglet, um, where we introduce, uh, he, as much like Pooh lives under the name of Sanders, he, uh, his house is named after his grandpa, uh, <laughs> Trespassers Will, mm-hmm. short for Trespassers William, not Trespassers Will Be Shot, is the joke, of what it, what it would say. Right. Um, but Piglet's Piglet, getting blown around in the wind. Right, yeah. he's, he's too small for this, and sort of, uh, is fighting the wind while Pooh is standing there, like, trying to have a conversation with him. And uh, eventually, uh, Pooh just grabs a hold of his scarf, and Piglet is flying around in the air, holding the other end like a kite. Yeah. And uh, a pig kite. <laughs> and they sit. So this leads to uh, a series of slapstick things where Pig- Piglet's getting blown through the air and dragging Pooh behind him. So they destroy Eeyore's house in the process and say, like, sorry, Eeyore, to which he says, thanks for noticing me. <laughs> and then uh, as we're still getting pulled like that they get pulled through rabbit's carrot patch which uh rabbit's like oh no oh no but then thankfully Pooh helpfully harvests all the carrots by doing this and they land right in rabbit's wheelbarrow yeah that's helpful Mm -hmm. hopefully next week they blow through my rutabaga patch but then we go and we crash into owl's house uh and sort of just splat against his window and get let in and owl starts a big long uh pointless story that goes nowhere yeah, basically he, he doesn't care that his house is being blown back and forth he won't right. stop their his story yeah this is just a mild spring zephyr which reminds me of the time blah 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 i was wearing an onion on my belt and so the blustery day blows over al's house and we got to find him a new one which is sort of our, our driving force from this one which being the good friend that he is eeyore puts himself in charge of doing right and so we kind of lead from one story to the next uh by doing this because now we go on to uh the introduction of Tigger, which is another thing I thought was good use of these books, is we sort of, we don't take chapters whole hog, we sort of take a little bit from here and a little bit from here and weave them together, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very useful, because some of those chapters, when I'm reading it, I'm kind of like, I'm about ready for this to end, like, <laughs> get to the point here. Yeah, to keep things moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tigger himself uh, actually doesn't appear until the second book, uh, The House at Pooh Corner. Uh, oh, there you go. But I think he's a very good inclusion because he's the most bombastic and enjoyable if you're a kid. Uh, he has all the catchphrases. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of, he would be the Bugs Bunny of this universe. Like, he's got I'd all say the, so. like, the action and the jokes. and Right. And a lot of that uh, seems to be original. Uh, the, the voice actor uh, who has a name that, that does Tigger. He actually has a really interesting life too, because he like helped invent the pacemaker and shit. Like, uh, How about that? should probably look that guy up. But yeah, I don't think he invented shit. Uh, I'm not gonna agree with you on that one. I'm promising. Let me see. He might have invented the pacemaker, yes, but the pacemaker and shit. Oh, I don't. Think <laughs> I he see did your that. point. <laughs> but yeah, basically, Tigger's dialogue in in the book itself does not include like ttfn or the hoo or his song about the wonderful thing about tiggers and all that like a lot of that was thought up on the spot paul winchell is his name oh well oh paul ball born paul winchelski mm-hmm. uh let's see also a uh ventriloquist so that was how he got his uh his fame Okay. Yeah, I, I do remember mm. that because, like, the voice of Tigger is the voice that he used for one of his uh, dummies. Mm-hmm. 
we we saw Edgar Bergen in a in a yeah, previous radio ventriloquist fun and fancy exactly, free. He's yeah. name dropped in this bio. That's still ridiculous to me. While you're searching for this, that someone could be a radio ventriloquist. <laughs> hey guys, I'm doing ventriloquism right now. As far as you know, it was a different time, man. I guess <laughs> entertainment pod- options were a lot more limited. Ventriloquist. That surely that exists. I've actually already. been doing this whole thing with my eyes closed. You don't even know. <laughs> I can tell you a little bit about the world of podcasting. Whatever your idea is, oh, it's well, already exists sure. out there. Yes. Um. What may be even more famous is that he created the voice of Tigger for Walt Disney Company's Winnie the Pooh. We also heard him in Aristocats previously. Um, Not only is your idea already out there, but there's another group of people already reviewing what you've been doing. Right. A little known fact about... uh, Yeah, if anyone wants to start... Yeah, please. The Dudes Watch, Dudes Watch Disney podcast should exist out there. Dudes listen to these assholes. A little known fact about Winchell is that he was one of the original... I'm wrong. Uh, Well, (laughs) am I... I don't know. He didn't invent shit. One of the original out. inventors of an artificial heart. That's a pacemaker. Like, that's the same thing, right? Or is that... Uh, no. Uh, he was original inventors year, years before the first successful transplant with such a device. Um, it's just a thing that's you know, keeps it going at the right rhythm. Okay, well, he worked on it, so... Hence the pace. Yeah, hence, sure. Hence the name. <laughs> uh... Also a band, Gary and the Pacemakers. Also invented a method for breeding tilapia. So, Oh, well, that's, that's good. <laughs> I don't know what that method would be. Play him some romantic music? <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. Uh, where'd we end up? <laughs> Tigger. Uh, so Pooh is alone in his house, and he hears... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm... Maybe yeah. it's Jerry and the Pacemakers. I oh. mean... Jerry? Just looking oh, over it is to Jerry. make sure. Jerry with a G. That's how. That's not how you're supposed to spell that. I agree. Was he Jerry Briscoe? Yeah, that's a better reference. Jerry from Parks and Rec. Well, they are, you know, they're a beat group prominent in the 1960s Mersey beat scene. Okay, I, I know some of those words. Uh, you don't know any songs Uh, i guess their most famous song is fairy cross the mersey refers to the river mersey that flows past liverpool okay then don't let the sun catch you crying i do know that song Mm. apparently the diversion of jambalaya (laughs) oh goody is it as good as steve austin's nobody's version of jambalaya is as good as steve austin's are we going forward with tigger now go ahead uh tigger shows up at Pooh's house (laughs) right we get Pooh nervous in his house and he's hello and then of course out of nowhere, Tigger bounces him, as as Tigger is wont to do. And then we get uh, what is a chapter all in of itself, is Tigger saying, oh, that whatever food you're talking about, that's what Tiggers love best, and then eating it and then not like it. Tiggers don't like that. Right. Tigger is also, we called him the Bugs Bunny before, he's also sort of the rock of this universe, where he just <laughs> refers, refers to himself him. in third person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know if, if the people's champ enjoys honey or not. <laughs> I imagine he does. In the book, he tries to eat honey, and then they go, well, I don't like that. And then Pooh's like, well, what about haycorns? Uh, Piglet's making some haycorns over at his place. Well, let's go see if Tigger's like haycorns. And then they don't. And then something else. It's a rule of threes thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, right, in in the film, he just points out that uh, doesn't like honey. That yucky, sticky stuff is only for he- uh, heffalumps and woozles. Which becomes uh, the pink elephants on parade of this movie. He also, before that, scares himself when he sees himself in the mirror. Um, 
something <laughs> that guy in the mirror wants to fight, but it's himself, of course. Right. And uh, tries to hide and then asks, is he gone? And says, oh, everything except the tail. And then he yanks his tail out of the picture, too. But you're right. Pink Elephants on Parade Part 2 is what I called this. The Heffalumps and Woozles song, uh, which, you know, we didn't have a lot of praise for Dumbo. but Right. But uh, at least this is a nightmare and sort of makes sense in the right. context of the story because... It's not just a random drug Tigger, trip. Tigger told him that Heffalumps and Woozles steal honey, which would be terrifying for Winnie. Mm-hmm. And it's also a much catchier song. I love this song. Stay, oh, I yeah. know way too many of the fucking words, and oh, it's I don't know stuck in my head all the but, time. Uh, go ahead. If, uh, if they so choose before your lies, they'll start to multiply. Bye, bye. I don't. Was that on I any of our sing-along videos? I think okay. I had that one. I don't know the words still, but yes, I do. <laughs> Little black rain cloud. Yes, <laughs> sure. Maybe you checked out of this film early on, like I would often do with Robin Hood. I remember Tigger a lot, so yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to check out before you got to Tigger. But yeah, catchy song, but real weird stuff going on. You got, uh, well, obviously, Heffalumps designed to look like elephants, but they have bizarre features like pop guns in their noses and all kinds of weird shit going on. There's some that have accordion noses that they play, by, yeah. like just shoving in and out of their face um and then we get like some dancing and honey we go to a weird waltz scene and it's just very odd and probably even more so if you just had like the 30 minute featurette version of or not even 30 but you have no idea what's going on right so this tape you put in this song is like 10 percent of the whole thing yeah it would be pretty strange um i think we brought our a music game for this film uh definitely compared to like what we heard in aristocats and like sword in the stone and even robin hood to some extent because like the non-roger miller songs in that one were kind of iffy uh prince john the phony king of england is good but that love goes on and on but the lyrics do not right um and even so we we brought so many great uh songs to this without having to use someone like uh roger miller or phil harris or you know a over-the-top celebrity to sort of carry our music but even just stuff like tigger's jingle that he sings and uh you know pink elephants on parade part two uh and even just the goofy chorus stuff we get are way catchier and way more memorable which i think really helps not only the music but the magic score later on when we get to that i think so and in fact now that you've pointed that out you have changed my mind about the score i gave it for music so i'm going to add plus one to music (laughs) okay (laughs) how about that we don't even know what the score is yeah but but... just know it's going to be one higher i might forget that by the time that we get to the end of this it's a shame you already put it on the spreadsheet i have to remember but that's the sound effect um will help me but at the end of this song Pooh awakes to find his house is flooded because the rain 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 came down 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 and uh our main issue for this is going to be Piglet, who is very small and in danger of this flood. His house is flooded out, too. Writes a message in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Help Piglet me. And uh, so now we got to find Piglet. Everyone else goes to Christopher Robin's house where they're safe. But uh, then we got to send people out. Well, not everyone else. Eeyore is still looking for a house. Right. I don't know. If th- yeah, we do say that because he finds one that's sunk. And he's like, oh, that'd be a good one. It's a bit damp for Owl, though. Mm-hmm. But right, so Piglet is lost, but then Pooh sort of is floating around out there too, and they run into each other, and uh, at this point, Owl finds them, and... uh, It's generally useless again. Yeah, starts telling a story, and they go over a waterfall, which... Where did the waterfall come from? 
Mm, I don't know. This is a plot convenience waterfall. I have a map of the Hundred Acre Wood in that book. Well, there you go. Does it list a waterfall? <laughs> I, I don't recall one. Wonder where I put. That. I mean, it I know this is quite a flood that's going on, but still. Right. They sort of wash up right by Christopher Robin's house, conveniently located next to the waterfall, and uh, because of that, uh, Pooh gets the credit for saving Piglets. Yeah, they consider Pooh a hero, and they throw him a little party. While this party is going on, uh, Owl does. Uh, not Al. Eeyore. No, there is a river. Hmm? Near Christopher Robin's house? Because that's where they end up. Yeah, there's okay. a stream over All there. Right, and there's sense, big then. stones and rocks. Okay, so. okay, maybe. Yeah, R-O-X rocks. All right, so it's possible. Right. But at this point during the party, Eeyore appears and says, Hey, everyone, I have found a, a new house for Owl. I found a new house. Right. So they all walk over to find the house and uh only to discover that it is it is Piglet's house. Right. And so everyone else he is getting excited the, about how great this house would be and right. Eeyore points to the sign that says trespassers will and says, "Yep, W O L. That spells owl." <laughs> and uh basically they're, you know, Pooh is saying Piglet hey piglet tell them it's your house you don't have to do this but he's like no it's a very nice house and owl should have it and then we get Pooh stepping up for piglet and saying well then you'll come live with me and then this one hero party becomes a two hero party and we sort of get themes of hey generosity here and you know helping out your friends and that kind of stuff uh not a whole lot of messages throughout this film but i guess in this little mini chapter we sort of get a glimpse of that I mean, friendship is important, but I don't know that giving up your house to someone is is the same. Like, right. Not even like, well, I guess we, you could stay here till you find a new house, but why don't you just take my house? And like, we don't do the lesson of like, actually, Piglet, stand up for yourself, which yeah. should kind of be important too. But, um, And then we get another chapter transition because uh, we're being bounced on like a, a big trampoline kind of blanket thing. We're launching Pooh and Piglet into the air with like you do. hip hip hooray. Uh, but then we get like, oh, I love bouncing. And then Piglet's like, oh, but I, I really like when bouncing stops. And then, hey, spoilers, our next story is about bouncing. So let's go to the next chapter. And, uh, a nice little touch at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, we open up with Winnie the Pooh's house where Piglet is at. And the mailbox says Winnie the Pooh and also Piglet live here. So that is like, nice. Continuity. But this chapter is all about Tigger and how he's, how he's bouncing everybody. Yeah, he's been bouncing way too much. Mm-hmm. He opens up by bouncing Pooh and Piglet, and then he bounces Rabbit and ruins her. Her. I always called Rabbit her I'm as a kid. Sh- uh, I don't I think it's a dude. I believe so, yes. but yeah, I don't know why I always thought that as a kid. But because he's a wet blanket, and you just associated that with girls. Maybe. Um, <laughs> speaking of, might be a good time to revisit Disney female characters because Kanga is in this. Yeah, who's a mother? I mean, she's a mom. That's right. her whole role in this one. Yeah. And uh, but hadn't that, seen a lot previously. But it's, but it's a little boy story. Exactly. Like he wouldn't have right. He wouldn't have imagined that his little stuffed animals were girls. Like, Maybe if he had a little sister who had toys too. Yeah, that's true. He just his. Well, yeah, because I mean, kangaroos' defining characteristic is that they have a pouch. Like right. That's the, <laughs> so he couldn't pretend it was a boy kangaroo if it came with a pouch with a small one inside it. Right, and you know his probably only female figure in his life is his mom, so that characteristic goes to Kanga. Um, there you go. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so Rabbit's pissed about getting the uh, the vegetable patch destroyed, 
And so the plan is that we're going to take the bounce out of Tigger. And so we have a meeting here with Pooh and Piglet saying we need to take him out into the woods and get him lost. And then he'll be a... (laughs) We're not doing anything to him in the woods. But like, what good friends these guys are. Yeah, what if we just get him lost in the woods? Well, it'll take the bounce at him and he'll be a, oh, woe is me, Tigger. And I'm so sorry, Rabbit Tigger. And uh, so we take him out and we do immediately lose him in the woods. But... uh, you know, Tigger realizes that he's left his friends behind and backs up and tries to find him. And, uh, you know, spoilers, they he bounces off and they get separated. And now it's like, oh, Rabbit's plan has gone so well. Except they also get lost. Right. Gets turned on its head here. And then we get, once again, oh, I'm lost in the woods. Here's all the scary wood sounds scene, uh, which we've seen in, uh, I know, Sleepy Hollow we had that. Uh when the Aristocats get lost and they first mm. wake up and there's a scary mm. frog, like frog sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like it probably happened in Sword in the Stone. Probably. Probably. It later happens in Emperor's New Groove. Like, mm. this is just a Disney kind of staple. Stay out of the woods. That's, yeah. uh, I mean, they didn't do Little Red Riding Hood, but that's, you know. You could easily fit this same scene in there. Fairy uh, tale staple. Get out of the woods. Here's some wood sounds. But they eventually oh uh they keep going back to the same sandy pit um mm-hmm. which Pooh thinks is following them so he has the idea to rabbit of like hey why don't we try to find the sandy pit and then maybe we'll find our way home and rabbit's Makes like that'll sense. never work sound logic so rabbit gets lost doing this and then Pooh like realizes he's hungry and just follows his tummy home and eventually yeah it comes back to like rabbit learns a lesson he got lost and tigger didn't tigger finds rabbit and then oh we're all safe again now um and then we cut ahead to the second part of this which is uh tigger playing with rue and we go and pick up rue from from kanga yeah we sort of revisit the uh baloo and mowgli dynamic here a little bit yeah tigger Um, being not necessarily a great role model as he's all about having fun all all of the time and no responsibility right and uh He's sort of just out to impress Rue. They go ice skating, and I notice Tigger ice skates kind of like I do. <laughs> just like, oh, oh, get out of the way! Ah. Meanwhile, Rabbit's surprisingly good at it as someone you wouldn't expect to be, you know, having fun. Oh, he's got the big feet. Well, he's sure. A nice wide stance. Yes, but you just wouldn't expect him to be out there. You, would, I guess, he can't grow his garden if it's snowing. True. Then they, when they realize they can't skate, they decide to climb trees. Right, but Tiggers don't climb trees. They bounce them. Right, but then he discovers once he gets up there that he's afraid of heights. Right, because of course he is, mm-hmm. even though Rue is having tons of fun. Uh, and <laughs> Rue is like swinging on his tail back and forth, which causes Tigger to start swinging around too. And he says, oh, I'm getting seasick from seeing too much. <laughs> And uh, then we cut to Pooh and, and Piglet at the bottom of the tree, who see all these tracks going around, which are their own tracks. Right, Pooh is tra- tracking something, but he doesn't know what. Right, and later suspects it's a jaguar. But that would be my first guess. Right, uh, and he says, it tries to explain to Piglet what a jaguar is, and first they call, hello, from up in a tree, and then when you look up, they drop on you. Piglet obviously looks down to uh, avoid that. Makes sense. And we get... Um, our way out of this, well, first of all, Rabbit shows his true colors again by saying, like, no, he's got to stay up there forever. He can never bounce us again. Uh, and then we get Tigger promising, like, no, if you get me down, I won't ever bounce again. I'll be a changed Tigger or whatever. And then, fortunately, we get sort of the, uh, magical 
narrator making the save here for him where we get our you know a, a one-on-one conversation between tigger and and the narrator and where the narrator uses his sort of book magic to just lean the book and let tigger slide down on the text instead of the illustration and then we get a sad moment of you know tigger's all excited he's he free wants he bounce. wants to bounce but rabbit won't let him because he's you gonna promised. make him no more bouncing stick to the promise and uh but then everyone just feels sad enough that, that you know rabbit feels that way too and eventually Poor says rabbit. okay you can bounce again and that's sort of where we end this chapter um and then our last uh the last chapter you get Pooh and christopher robin together right which this is literally just uh and we're wrapping things up because uh christopher robin has to go to school no and then christopher robin sort of has a conversation with Pooh. uh says his favorite thing in the world's doing nothing and then uh Amen. sort of makes Pooh make a promise that like in so many words is like hey don't forget me we may be moving on but you know we're we'll always remember each other and that kind of thing and uh that's really where we end and then we close back out and sing sort of a an outro and then that's the end of the film and i i guess sort of our message there is like growing up is important but we don't you know that's not the focus of the film like a toy story no, or something like that tacked on little ending right tacked on is a good word for it but like a tail on eeyore's ass there you tacked go on. <laughs> but it is very uh enjoyable film regardless of how much weight it sort of carries behind it it's just who cares if the ending fits we need to have one anyway it is essentially just a package film like we saw before but way more enjoyable and like it's a nice package it's carried yes it's a very nice package (laughs) it's carried by the uh charm of the characters more than anything else charming package because of that I didn't give it the sl- the lowest matter score in the world. I went with a three and a half because the characters and the charm uh, really do, in my opinion, carry the weight of this film. It can get a bit dull in the middle, and there's not a strong narrative at all. But I still feel like it flies by as a film because it's just so enjoyable. And part of that's because growing up with it, I wouldn't know if I watched this for the first time at age 28. I don't know if I would feel that same way. Yeah. But... Uh, I like to think I would because it's so enjoyable, these characters themselves. Uh, and it's it's be very easy to do a character study on this because of the, all the different personalities they represent. And I think that's definitely been done before in like oh, the definitely. literary world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three and a half is what I went with. I gave it a three. Uh, I think it does kind of drag after the first chapter. Like you said, if it's it's... A package film we took three separate stories and put them together so if we're evaluating the the matters of the movie mm-hmm. we don't have an overarching narrative to go with no so that's going to hurt the score a little bit we have some interesting stories along the way they're not necessarily developed super well uh we don't really have to deal with what happens if tigger can't bounce for all that long no and he didn't have to learn a lesson to get to bounce again so much. Just yeah. everyone sort he of felt whined. marginally bad, but put on a sad enough show right, that he, he got what he wanted still. And Rabbit didn't have to learn that, you know, you need people to bounce sometimes because so-and-so right. just sort of went, eh, we're kind of done. They Pretty couldn't much. pull Pooh out until they could pull Pooh out. Like, you know, some of the things, but it's okay because the characters are likable enough right. and you're willing and it to moves for- quickly. Yes, and you're willing to forgive some of that. Right. But if you really watched it, the narrative aspects of the movie are, are a little lacking. Right. 
So three points out of you. Uh, yeah, I gave it a three. Mm. Uh, next, I guess we got to go meaty. Bleh. We, we got to go meany, mm, uh, which, which is completely non-existent. Um, yeah. Our obstacles are bees and <laughs> hypothetical heffalumps and rabbit, who's kind of a dick sometimes. Rain. Yeah, which, yeah, sorry, you can't give any points for this. I gave it a zero. I meanie. also gave it a zero, and it made me sad to do so, but, you know. This, what else can you do? just no way you could give a meanie score to this one. Right. So maybe we're the meanies for giving it a zero. But. Now, they've done other poo movies since this so maybe that could sort of explain the question i'm about to ask but where would you go if you wanted a strong narrative and you wanted like a villain to conquer like how do you do that with winnie the pooh yeah i mean i don't know i am asking this question having not seen the 2011 pooh film having borrowed it five six years ago and <laughs> it's still been just a while it. it's in that uh uh ikea shelf the, over there well what you'll find when you do watch that one is it's pretty similar to this one yeah. uh maybe it's it's not necessarily separate chapters like this one but you still don't have I a feel real like, villain yeah. so much i feel like it covers some of the other untapped chapters in this book because i know uh one of the issues is a Baxen yeah. in that film that's chapter is in here um that's really all I know. And there's an exchange about, like, can you tie a knot? I cannot. You can not? I cannot not. <laughs> I've seen that, but that's about it. So, yeah, so a zero for the meanie, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know that you necessarily need one for this movie. You need one for the rubric we've decided to use to evaluate right. Disney films. Right. But this movie is fine without this movie. As without evidence. Not, this movie's fine without this movie. This movie is fine <laughs> without a villain. It just doesn't score well for us as evidenced by the fact that the reviews of this film critically are unanimously positive it actually has a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes and i think the audience score was like a 80 something but right so like regardless of what we're trying to grade it on it's an amazing film like but you will probably in love it defense of what we're doing we're trying to evaluate these movies for their disneyness and we right. decided from the start that one of the things you needed to be a quality disney movie was a villain and we don't have that here so it can't be the top disney movie if it doesn't exactly. have all of those qualities which is why i think i didn't realize this was a disney film as a kid like i thought it was just another kid thing like i don't know Maybe it aired on PBS or some shit. <laughs> but uh want to go to music? Uh, very good. Nostalgic as fuck. It sticks in your head. There's nothing grandiose. Nostalgic AF. It is. <laughs> There's nothing grandiose and emotional like you would get in some other Disney films. There's not like a, oh, I'm horribly sad song or uh, I'm going to conquer the world song. You don't get those. But it's all really catchy and earwormy. And you get the characters themselves singing and also the chorus coming in as well which i think helps that and helps sort of the storybook nature of it um so i went with a four ranking for the music i mean even for a children's movie this movie and the music within it is particularly fluffy uh, yeah he's stuffed with fluff and this movie <laughs> is sort of stuffed with fluff as I'd well it's, so. it's a cotton candy movie like there's nothing much to it right uh, and so I gave the music a three at first, although Jake has sort of convinced me with the way he has, you know, talked about how it keeps things moving. Most things are really short. They're fun little. I feel like the Heffalumps and Woozles song, like, belongs on, like, a Disney sing-along or, like, a, you know, like, if you had a Disney music CD, like, I'd go back and listen to that shit. It fits in with the rest. Maybe, other than that goes against what I was saying, which was the little (laughs) short ones are actually helpful and help character development and add to, and then that is just sort of tacked on. Fine. 
Uh, so, you know, I had three, but then remember, we did plus one to music, so plus one here. Now it gets four. I'm glad I can influence you like that. Uh, mise-en-scene, uh, it's, it's low budget, but I wouldn't say any more so than the rest of the films we've watched recently, like Aristocats and Robin Hood are on the same level as this. Um, plus, you got the whole storybook aesthetic going for it. Uh, with, you know, interacting with the words on the page, interacting with the narrator, um, the illustration background. It's all very stylized, and I love that, so I gave it a four. I also gave it a timeout. Yes, I also gave it a four. I buffered there for a second, sorry. <laughs> uh, for the reasons you mentioned, the uh, the way that it looks like a book come to life, and even if the animation itself isn't any higher quality than movies, uh, contemporary movies of the, you know, when this came out, uh, you have sort of the interactions with the words on the page, the fact they look like illustrations uh, come to life. And, and then the voice actors do such a great job and the performances yeah. are, are wonderful. Uh, which, speaking of, this is the last Sterling Holloway movie. I, I noticed that, yeah. Died shortly after Also, release, same for Sebastian Cabot. I don't know if that's accurate. I may have added that part on. What did you say? I said he died shortly after its release. I don't know. At some point after its release. <laughs> yeah, shortly. <laughs> However you define shortly. It's his last Disney credit. There you go. Which is sad. He's been a great... Uh, something we look forward to in each movie exactly. we discuss. Even going back, I think Dumbo was his first one, so he's been here a while. It's a voice of people's childhoods. Uh, right. And speaking of, as you were saying... Uh, voices all these characters being so memorable because of the, the work the voice actors done um that's what's really impressive is basically looking at today's winnie the pooh a lot of these characters are all voiced by the same guy uh yeah. jim cummings who sort of filled that role of should you splice in the jim cummings reading darth vader is winnie the pooh uh here sure i think that would fit right here several transmissions were bringing to the ship by Rebel Spy. <laughs> now I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of a Rebel Alliance <laughs> Take her away and no honey. <laughs> As in, let's get dangerous! Well, if word of this gets out, it could generate sympathy for the rebellion in the Senate! <laughs> I have traced rebel spies to her. Now she is my only link to find a secret base. Oh, well, that's different. But she'll die before she tells you anything. Leave that to me. I'll send a distress signal and then inform the Senate that all aboard were killed. While another Imperial officer approaches Vader and the commander, they stop and snap to attention. Lord Vader, the battle station plans are not aboard this ship and no transmissions were made. An escape pod was jutsoned during the fight, but no life forms were aboard. She must have hidden the plans in the escape pod. (laughs) 
I, I like that. But anyway, yeah, Jim Cummings, incredibly talented guy. Right, and we will see him in Disney releases a little bit down the line. I'm not sure how far. I know he's in Aladdin, for example, but we might. it might take getting to that sort of renaissance era before we see his appearance. But, like, a voice you regardless of who you are you have heard his voice in something and you may not recognize it immediately but yeah just massively talented and like had massive shoes to fill like you got to replace tigger picking up that mantle yeah replace tigger replace winnie the pooh all of this stuff is crazy so that was the mise-en-scene score and now we're moving on to yeah the message the message Um, friendship i'd say is probably the most but uh i don't know uh, I'm not sure we really set out with a message in mind yeah, when making this. So um, it's pretty muddled. There's You could sort of grasp at some straws of friendship or imagination or growing up. But we don't spend time on any of those. You know, we just so. tack on the like Christopher Robin having to leave at the end. Right. Um, which we, if we wanted, we could do a whole film focused on like a kid's relationship with his toys. And then he has to grow has up. To, and yeah. spoilers, we do that. It's called Toy Story. It's not called Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, I don't know. I went with a two for the message. I also went with two for the message. It's weird. Pretty st- for the same reasons. <laughs> right. That there's not a real message and there are tiny things here and there. But this movie, like I just said, is largely fluff. Because we've been pretty in sync with all of these. Uh, yeah, let's see if we're synced up on the last one. The magic score. Super nostalgia overload is what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is a movie I had as a kid, loved having with as, as a kid. Um, Straight for the feels. Right. When I have a kid, I can't wait to share this movie with it. Um, so, like, if that's not Disney magic, then I don't know what is. So I'm going with a 5 out of 5 magic for Winnie the fucking And Pooh. I also went with a 5 for the same reasons you just discussed. What makes this movie watchable, since it's, we just said, is not the plot and is not the message of it. What makes it watchable is how much you like these characters and like the way that they interact with each other. And the only real way to score that, since it's not because of the narrative uh or, or villains or... yeah the only real way we can reward that here is uh by giving it a five out of five on the magic score all right as you can imagine we're both pretty excited for the upcoming christopher robin film we're already released by the time this airs who knows could be we'll see august something is its release date so we'll, well see then, how that goes we'll see um uh one other uh, well should we total up our things uh sure uh so the points i gave were three and a half zero four four two and Five, which if you're as good at math as I am, you end up with 18 and a half uh, blustery days out of 30. And this is a rarity on the podcast. This is going to be one where Jake scored it higher than I did. Uh, not many it can't times. Can't be by much. We gave no, a lot of the same right, scores. Very similar. Mine it comes out to 18 out of 30 instead of 18 and a half. That's 18 honeypots. So out a of half 30. points. Um, which, if you want to take a look at our rankings, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh will be in seventh place just below 101 dalmatians and just above pinocchio well it puts it in 14th place of the 16 movies we've done so far which is sort of crazy since we've talked about how much we love this movie and i certainly love it more than i certainly love it more than the movies it's surrounded by like dumbo and fantasia uh but part of the reason it had to be scored a little bit lower is because it doesn't have a villain I'd like to point out that it won't be in 14th place if you update that extra point you gave it. Its total here is 17, but you said 18 not two seconds ago. Turns out it's actually 12th. So it's in 12th place of the 16 movies we talked about so far. 
which is just evidence that Dustin ranks things higher than I do, (laughs) which you would know if you've listened to these episodes. We're not going to give you our full rundown there. We usually save that for the landmark episodes of the podcast. Well, we want to do top three, bottom three, just as a reminder. Sure. All right. Uh, My number one is Jungle Book. My number two is Cinderella. My number three, Snow White. Number one, Cinderella. Number two, Jungle Book. Number three, Snow White. All right. And my bottom three, number four. 14 peter the pan peter the pan <laughs> Peter the pan <laughs> yes number 14 peter pan number 15 sword in the stone number 16 dumbo which there's a new trailer out for everybody see if it's any better than the original yeah, my bottom three sleeping beauty dumbo and my worst of the worst sword in the stone so there's uh a couple variances but we're pretty on track um and our next films coming up are we're going to continue this downward slide in quality because uh next up we have the rescuers and then after that the fox and the hound which these i like fox and the hound i haven't watched it in years i remember it being very sad no it's a little (laughs) it's a little sad but i remember liking it when we were little both very low-key films not uh big and boisterous true sort of action filled kind of downers both of them really i don't know rescuers doesn't do anything for me uh which we'll see in our next episode but which uh yeah so thanks again for sticking with us um if you'd really like to help us out we really could use some of those uh five star itunes reviews it's from what i guess it's real simple i know i've never given one so maybe i shouldn't talk about it no but, idea but or i'm at least, sure we would appreciate yeah, one at least tell a friend and uh you know get some other listeners out here we're trying to i'm trying to make a push on our youtube page to get that up and running again youtube is frustrating and often just stops uploading the thing i said to upload so we'll see about uh how far that goes but we're gonna keep cranking these out as best we can and uh, try to mix in a few more bonus episodes along the way and uh that's about it you got anything uh there was one other little note uh Walt Disney's favorite scene in this movie, you want to guess what it was? Something involving Pooh's butt. When, when he is stuck in the thing and they're trying to get him out. Mm-hmm. Because of course it was. Because butt things with Walt. There's been a lot of pervy butt things. There has. It's been a, it's been a Disney trope. Right. We've, tra- we've tracked Disney butt things all the way throughout. It's true. And uh, Disney, Walt is, is no longer alive at this point in the timeline so we'll keep watching to see if those uh, uh diminish but, at any point <laughs> those but things continue <laughs> right uh but anyway <laughs> but anyway thanks again for listening and uh i'm jake i'm dustin we'll see y'all next time dudes dudes poo poo dudes <laughs> don't google poo dudes <laughs> talking snack yeah yeah talking snack Yum yum, talking snack. Uh huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey. So the Reese's people uh, have done us all a solid. I feel like they mm-hmm. have found a way. Their candies, fantastic. Love the Reese's. Right. Love the Reese's I mean, cups. That's inarguable, right? I think we got to say best candy Reese's. I'm pretty I sure mean, we have said that on this show as before. As far as like their whole like stable of things, they've got you know you've got Reese's pieces, you've got Reese's cups, you've got Nutrageous, you've got. Uh, the fast break is okay. It's, I mean, it's good. It's just not in the same league with those other things. And even with the Reese's cups, you've got the white chocolate ones. You've got like dark chocolate ones. Like they, they're doing great stuff. The Reese's people, but they've done us all a solid, and they've started putting little mini Reese's pieces 
inside of their other candies. And right. you might say, why? Why would you need to do this? You need I would to do not this say it's that. It's fucking great. <laughs> okay, good. No, this, this happened a ways back because we talked about it on this show. Like, it might have been before even Talking Snack was a thing with a theme no, song and been, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe like Alice in Wonderland we talked about him. I hadn't oh, tried I, that. I think that's when I first tried the the cups with the yeah. pieces in them. Because I hadn't tried them when you brought them up, but I have since tried them, and they're great. I yeah, like when a, when a candy bar has a little extra crunch to it somewhere in there. Yes, that's like lovely. I'm, I'm a fan of Nestle Crunch. I know you're not, but... No, no. Or they're like crispy M&Ms. I don't like those either. But the thing that's great about putting the little mini Reese's Pieces in there is that the peanut butter in the Reese's Piece is not the same as the peanut butter in the cup itself. It is a sweeter, uh, lighter, daintier peanut butter, and then just together. Is that the case? <laughs> yes, it is the case. You've, I mean, you've had a Reese's Piece before. You know that that peanut butter feeling is not the same as the Reese's <laughs> Cup peanut about butter feeling. Mouthfeel right now with fucking candy <laughs> peanut butter. I'm just saying it's a different uh, taste. It is a sweeter, lighter, fluffier peanut butter inside the piece than inside the cup. I'm not sure I can wholly agree with that, at least on a personal basis, because I think like I'm just getting the taste of the candy shell with the peanut butter is causing a different mouth feel if you will Well, yeah the mouth feel but i think that the peanut butter itself is sweeter too okay. i think if you isolate the two peanut butters you would find that not to sidetrack here but have you ever heard any of these fancy weird peanut butters you can get like i don't know if you go to any like whole foods or like fancy or like grocery store like that there's a variety of butters available uh, of which is various like, nut butters they have different nuts but also they'll have like peanut butter and white chocolate swirl or something and that kind of hmm. shit like there's there's very not healthy <laughs> options as well right i personally haven't ever tried them though i hear they seem pretty good but i don't act, i never finish a jar of peanut butter myself so i don't feel oh, the need we, to buy more we definitely do by the massive ass one and then finish it off rather quickly how much peanut butter do you put on a sandwich yeah you put choke a dog peanut butter on there <laughs> enough peanut butter to choke a dog choke a dog a peanut butter okay now go on with your Reese's. well i didn't did you want to pause here to talk about uh peanut butter and jelly sandwich construction uh while we're at it since we had this discussion oh, off off air yesterday we did have this off air discussion i mean well i made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for like the first time in probably five or six years yesterday mm-hmm. And I was making one for my wife, too. So, like, I made mine. And then I asked her, like, you put peanut butter on both the breads, right? I, well, for what I first said was you put peanut butter on both sides of the bread, which that probably would be excessive <laughs> if you had outside <laughs> peanut butter as yeah, well. Yeah, that, that's a mess. Now you got to use a fork. Although that could work if you did that and then, like, some powdered sugar on top of that. That I could be here probably. for that. Mm, I could do that. But, no, like, and she just gave me a look like, no, you do peanut butter on one bread and jelly on the other. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doubling up on peanut butter. Like, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah. And just a big like jelly pocket glob in the middle is how I do things. Yeah, I mean, everyone is different on that. Some people want more peanut butter. Some people want more jelly. I understand that. But I also put the peanut butter on each of the slices of bread and, you know, choke a dog amounts on each one. And then just slight little, uh, I usually get the squeezy jelly because uh, grown man. And just, <laughs> you know, just light little boop, boop, boop with the jelly. Very little jelly and a whole lot of peanut butter. No, see, I, I tend to go fifty-fifty, and the jelly doesn't no, no, no. spread well. Like, so it's just a glob in the middle. Well, I don't, I don't try to spread the jelly. I just, you know, squirt, squirt, squirt. Sure. Also, Great. there's not enough to spread on mine. 
grape grape jelly. Yeah. Oh, duh. Do they even okay. make other kinds of jelly? <laughs> Strawberry jelly on a peanut butter is pretty good. Yeah. Audience, okay. <laughs> how do you feel about that one? I mean, it is sure, but grape grape is what you want. Similar to me never finishing a jar of peanut butter, I also never finished a jar of jelly because, like, I. I Maybe this is just an old people thing everywhere, but but especially in the South, like people make jellies, people's relatives make jellies and then give them to people and then those people give them away too. Like nobody eats the jellies after they're made because you have to make like eight gallons of it or something at once. So I just end up with jars of various jellies in my fridge and like I never eat them (laughs) and none of them are grape, which is what I want. (laughs) So like if I get strawberry, I will eat for one of those, but it's like, Oh, here's some blueberry jelly or like pear jelly. And it's like, what do you put that on? (laughs) Like what are your recipes for exotic jellies? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have uh, one jelly in our fridge. uh, We, we don't even bother with the pretense of eating the jellies that other people give us. We just use this one reduced sugar grape jelly that we bought in like 2012. That's been expired for years now, but yeah, whatever. We'll get to it. (laughs) How how bad can jelly go? Do you remember when, uh, back when Nan and Pop used to have their trailer and they had like some food and snacks out in there? Mm -hmm. Um, like nothing might be like easy Mac and shit. And I remember going through those in maybe let's say 2010. That's probably when they, for reference, they moved from one house to out in the country in 2008. And I remember looking through their stuff they had out there and I found some easy Mac that expired in 2007. So it's like you guys, first of all, this expired three years ago and is still here. Second of all, you brought expired easy Mac with you (laughs) to a new house where it continued to expire. Well, there are some people who don't really care about expiration dates. Uh, I usually am very vigilant on this. Uh, I know I just said about the jelly that I, you know, we didn't throw that away. But everything else, if I notice it's expired, even if it's like a day, it is out. Like, now, man, get out. You don't do the sniff test or the drink test? Nope, They put a date on there for a reason. And I know there's been many (laughs) news stories about how the dates don't really matter, blah, blah, blah. They put a date on there for the reason. You are contributing to American food waste. Perhaps, yes. (laughs) I mean, most of the stuff we buy, we eat pretty damn quick. Like, we're not wasting a whole lot of it. Sure. But anyway, we're way off track. The reason we're talking about the Reese's Pieces again today is now they have started to put the Reese's Pieces inside the Nutrageous, not just in the Reese's Cup. Now, the Nutrageous already, in my opinion, the best candy bar. Oh, going to be honest, not sure I've ever had one. Oh, well, it is basically, it's like if you took a Snickers bar. Uh, I guess it doesn't have the, the the nougat part of the Snickers bar, but it's got the nuts and caramel uh, and chocolate. Plus, you add in peanut butter and bigger nuts and more nuts than you'd have in a Snickers. So you've got these big peanuts. Yeah, big old nuts. And peanut, peanut butter and caramel and chocolate hmm. is, is your nutrageous. It's really good. I'm into that. And now they've got that plus little bitty mini Reese's pieces. Sweet. How could that not be great? How do we not have some right now? Uh, they're fantastic. You got I've had a couple of them in the last week alone. They're just the shits. Not the shits, the shit. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I'll have to get around to that. Yes. I mean, I don't know if it's like a limited time thing, if you need to get on it right away. Yeah. I'm usually not... I keep junk food in my house all the time, but it's usually Little Debbie's. It's not like uh, candy, you know? If I, I go to like a vending machine, I'll get candy, but I'm not just like, oh, let me pick up some... 
a bag of Reese's Pieces to keep around, although I do love when that happens. So if anyone wants to send me a gift, that's the perfect kind. Reese's Pieces are fantastic. And where some people put M&Ms in their ice cream, and I just don't understand that. Like, they no. get way hard. Um, nah, like, that's true. But Reese's Pieces don't get as hard because their shell is much thinner uh, than mm-hmm. an M&M shell. Right. And so they're... You know, they're better on ice. They still get kind of hard, but they're better on ice cream than an M&M would be because M&Ms get super hard. What's your go-to mix-in ice cream thing at a at a fast food place? Um, Let's see. Oreo's really good. Butterfinger's really nice. Reese's. Basically, it just depends on Everything. What, what my mood is. Yeah. Now, sure. at the, Except M&Ms. At the Dairy Queen, they'll do Kit Kats. They don't have that at, you Ooh. know, Sonic and other places, but that's really lovely. Never had that. I go with Oreo pretty much if it's anything. Although I'm not really big on having to chew ice cream. So usually I get a milkshake and don't fucking bother with that. Mm. Plus they do the half price shakes <laughs> at certain times or whatever. Whereas, you know, they don't ever do half price uh, blasts or content. You're talking about Sonic? Or blizzards. Yeah. 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 Like this summer they're doing what? Half priced after eight, right? For slushes and shakes and all that Which kind of stuff. Which is the time I want a milkshake. Well, there you go. After eight. Now, I want to talk about milkshake consistency and preferences because, like, (laughs) I feel like everybody advertises with their milkshakes. It's like, oh, it's the triple thick milkshake. Like, you can't get this through a straw. Like, why? That's their advertising point. And, like, I don't care for that. And Sonic is a big offender because Sonic milkshakes are real thick. But now that I have a Dairy Queen in my town, I vastly prefer theirs because it's far more on the milk side than it is the shake side. Like it is like a frosty like consistency that you can just suck right up and it's usually gone by the time I get home. So I find that preferable. I think the reason that they that they advertise them that way is, you know, if you're getting the thickest milkshake possible, that means you're getting mostly ice cream as opposed to mostly, you know, milk. And so you're getting the most for your money, I think, is Sure, the idea. but I feel like it's Maybe. at the point where it's an inconvenience because you can't drink this fucking milkshake, and the purpose of a milkshake is to be drunk. True. You can eat ice cream with a spoon, and, like... Yeah, that's a good point. Don't try to fit it into, a, like, a fucking liquid consistency. Well, and if you're going to get... And really, only Burger King, I think, is the only place that has this. If you're going to give a milkshake, if you're going to make milkshakes, you should have specific milkshake straws. And, like, Burger King has these. I don't think other places do. Whether it's, like, it's a much bigger tube with a larger, (laughs) you know, diameter. I've never gotten a milkshake uh, at Burger King. I need to do that. Well, what you need to do is do that once and keep the damn straw and bring it with you <laughs> well, when you go to Sonic or Dairy Queen. Yeah, wash it out, rinse it, whatever, and then just use because it, it's like a big old tube and you can <laughs> you can suck. Yep, <laughs> you can suck up way way more ice cream, and way more milkshake that way than uh, it's like it's like a big old tube. Yeah. I got really really excited. That about should that. be their marketing. We got big old tubes. <laughs> This is oddly passionate about the Burger King straw there. I don't know what happened. Oh, the other Reese's thing that we didn't uh, mention, you know, a few years ago, they, all of the candy companies uh, started making these little mini things, you know, like, uh, I don't know what they're called. Fun but they're size? Like in a, no, not fun size. Like where they're in the pouch and like you can get. Oh, like and they're like unwrapped yeah. already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah the, I've got And those. the unwrapped Reese's are just 
so amazing. Like, you can't <laughs> just get a handful of them. Like, you have to eat the entire bag if you come across sure. the unwrapped Reese's. I feel like I eat more, like, not... Those are smaller than the mini Reese's, right? Right, like, yes. I eat mini Reese's more often than I do the, like, the big discs or whatever so like yeah i feel like if they got even smaller that'd be even better like oh that's amazing have you I'd ever go had through the, more of them the big cup yeah or like the, instead like of the mega cup two, or whatever the, yeah i think it's yeah i think it thought it was called big cup i don't know sure i don't know two, two girls one cup i don't know something like that moving that's on <laughs> different kind of reese's anyway uh, the big cup is is fantastic it makes a great ice cream mix-in if you're doing it yourself at home. Cut up your big cup and put it in the... Although I'm sure the unwrapped Reese's would as well. Yeah, you don't have to cut anything that way. Yeah, there you go. That's even better. Now, I feel like I've never purchased this pouch of mini Reese's or whatever. Oh, but wow. like, I feel like I'd be worried about them kind of melting and just like con- congealing together into a just a Reese's ball when you try to grab them. Hmm. And uh, that might be... I don't know. Not, I don't know that that'd be a bad thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Big ball of Reese's. Yeah. Uh, do, anyway, do we want to touch on our, the pizza buffet we're going to have for lunch? Because, like... We should touch... I'm very proud of Jake. Uh, and I feel like <laughs> feel like this needs to be stated. Jake's uh, birthday is uh, tomorrow, actually, but we're mm-hmm. celebrating it today. And, uh, well, we also celebrated it yesterday as well. Uh, birthday week uh, yep, is a thing. Yep, that's me. But anyway, I'm very proud of him because we found out a way to get two meals out of Jake's birthday, uh, and not in two separate days. I mean, just today, two separate meals we're planning on having. I'm very excited about. Not to let you down right oh, now, but right away, <laughs> we have to do a lot of packing tonight, so we're probably not going to hang around that long. But <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the buffet itself because, like, I don't know how if the rest of the pizza buffet world has stepped up its game since the Larry's brand has invented the pizza parade. Um, I mean, this is an <laughs> Arkansas-specific chain. Like, right. I don't think that they're... Yeah. But surely other people, if they haven't, then I'm just about to blow the pizza buffet world wide open. Like, this, is, people have got to start adapting this. You don't have to get up to get more pizza. They bring it to you. They walk around the room going, pepperoni or, like, meat lovers. Do you want to meat lovers? And, like, same thing with the dessert pizzas. It's amazing and a new level of fat consumption. <laughs> Right. Uh, certain restaurants do bottomless fries. If this is not a thing in your area, then like you've uh, a Red Robin or something right. will have bottomless fries. And they'll walk through the restaurant. And you want some fries? Hey, here you go. Here's some fries. Uh, so the same concept, only with pizza and various types of pizza. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah, you could go to the buffet or you could sit right there and eat more pizza and exactly. they'll bring it to you. Right. And then like if you're smart, you grab two plates ahead of time because that way you can have just have a secondary plate to collect dessert pizzas that are coming around for that, the end or of the you meal. Don't wanna, right. Or you don't want to have a full plate when something you want is coming by. True. And so that's when you go spare plate, mm-hmm. you know, right there. Like, oh, my plate is already full, but I really want that, you know, fill in the blank, whatever type of pizza you they want. They do funky there. shit, too, like baked potato pizza <laughs> and, like, chicken yeah. honey mustard. and uh, Pickles and ranch. Ugh. Yeah, that's a thing yeah. they do. So that's our afternoon today. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And on that note... um. Thanks again for listening to Talk and Snack, everybody. 
Yeah, snack it up. If you have any snack suggestions, uh, any topics you want us to discuss, just uh, hit us up with an email or whatever. No one's emailing us about Disney movies, so maybe we'll just so, like soft reboot this podcast into this at some point. Yeah, seriously. But anyway, I'm Jake. And I'm Dustin. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Dudes. Dudes. And, and pizza. Dudes. Pizza dudes. Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Bye. Big sausage pizza. Wait, did you leave? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought that would be a good podcast ending, too. Wait, did you leave? No, I'm here. And then the end. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is DudesWatchDisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be talking about are The Rescuers and The Fox and the Hound. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or, the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!